let's get into the word right now. Psalm 67, to the chief musician on string instruments, a psalm, a song. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Or just think about that. Soak that in. Let that soak that in your heart. He says that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Selah. Let your people praise you, O God. Let, the, let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. So we do get a little bit of an introduction here to the chief musician. Uh, we've talked about the chief many times in these psalms. Last week we just talked about, you know, that role of, of leading a worship service and really the role in it of all of us recognizing we got a call to be chief worshipers of the Lord. Then first and foremost, we sing unto the Lord to give him glory. And then, you know, the heart of the Lord would be we worship in spirit and truth. Song, psalms, spiritual hymns, biblical, uh, godly lyrics that would minister to one another, and in turn, that would also minister to us. And it's so important that with worship, uh, we're third in that equation, not, well, it's about me, and how do I feel, and oh, I don't like, you know, the pitch of that or this, and you know, we'll see in a minute where to play skillfully, or the Lord wants that, but the Lord, first and foremost, is looking at the heart of worship, and I think it's just so important that we really... You know, a disciple is one that is disciplined, that we discipline ourselves in that. I think we really need to strive to do that in worship, because I think sometimes it can move into, you know, it's kind of the warm-up for the sermon, you know, kind of just settling in and so forth. And I get it, people come in, and they're busy, and they settle in. But boy, we would, I believe, just be all the more blessed and be all the more of a blessing to the Lord if, you know, even on our gatherings like this, on the way, Lord, ready my heart, Lord, I want to come in. doesn't matter how I feel or what's going on. You're worthy of praise no matter what. And I want to lift my voice to you. And uh, I think that sets the tone for our life because, listen, there's good days and bad days and ups and downs and emotions. And if the heart is just, listen, no matter what's going on, I want to be a chief worshiper. I want to worship the Lord. And then he says, with this psalm, it was to be played with string instruments. I don't think that means that other psalms couldn't be played with string instruments or, you know, different uh, uh, instruments. The Bible just speaks much of, of worship with instruments and so forth. Uh, this psalm in particular, the instruction is, though, listen, you got an instrument, then bust that thing out and, you know what, play it as you worship the Lord. And uh, interesting, the Bible does just, again, it speaks a lot of praising uh, with, with instruments. Uh, I love how Psalm 33 I'm not going to read it, but verse 1 through 3, verse, verse 3, it says, play skillfully with a shout of joy. And that idea of, of you know what, uh, trying to put effort into what we do and trying to do it well. And, uh, you know, to say, listen, let's put an effort in to take the gifts God has given to us and, uh, you know, make an effort to play skillfully. And I know everyone has different skill levels. And I know, again, the Lord's looking at the heart first and foremost. I think the problem comes in when you have the time and you don't put it in and you show it up and then worship's just shoddy, you know, where there's so many other things. We just put a great effort in. And I know uh, we're greatly blessed here because, 
you know, the folks that play up here, I know they, they don't just show up. They put in time and they put in effort and we're appreciative of them. And we need to be praying for them. And I know that their, their heart is to come up and as it says there in Psalm 33 to do it with a joyful heart unto the Lord. And you better believe that even in their effort to honor the Lord, uh, listen, the enemy wants to rile them up. Uh, I know as the pastor, listen, he's always trying to work, especially right before you're going to preach a sermon. And it's important we pray for those folks and lift them up that, you know, they can come with a heart first and foremost to worship the Lord, to minister to us, and that we would join in with that to minister to the Lord and, and to, uh, you know, uh, minister to one another and, and the, then we would be ministered to. Um, again, it says a song, a psalm, and this psalm, this song is a song of praise. It's also a prophetic psalm. And if you're not familiar with the Psalms, I can't encourage you enough to get familiar with the Psalms because, listen, they're not only uh, are, are these songs of praise, but, boy, the Psalms are loaded with prophetic words about the Lord's first coming, about the Lord's second coming. And there's truth here about the second coming of the Lord, which we'll get into here in a minute. But notice how the psalmist starts. And boy, this is just a great way, you know, to, to start uh, you know, at any song to the Lord, crying out to him, God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah. Or just sit and think about that and take that in. And um, listen, this is a psalm. That, that, that verse right there is something that, uh, that's not in your prayer life, man, get it in it. Because, listen, we need mercy. We need it desperately. Mercy, it's empathy, it's compassion, uh, I think one of the best definitions of mercy is not getting what you deserve. Now, I know a lot of people think they deserve everything. They're misinformed about the reality of the situation that we are sinners that have rebelled against God. Uh, and in our rebellion, as uh, he is a just judge, we're under a condemnation. A lot of people have the mentality of, of uh, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? But really, it should be, man, why do these good things keep happening to bad people? You know why? Because he's a God of mercy. Um, and uh, beautifully, listen, he wants to even give more mercy. And again, absolutely, we need it. Again, we are sinners. We are not holy. God is holy. God is without sin. Outside of his mercy, outside of him, you know what, making a way for that judgment to be lifted off us through the work of the cross of Calvary. Um, make no mistake, if we die in our sins at the age of accountability, there's a judgment that will be placed upon us. And, and uh, it, it's bad news for a lot of people. A lot of people get uncomfortable and hearing about that. But you know what? They're going to be a lot more uncomfortable if they don't repent and come to Jesus Christ. So we got to talk about truth. We got to look at the word. And the psalmist, knowing that, is crying out for the mercy of God Almighty. And listen, praise God, he is merciful. Praise God that uh, he looks on us and he remembers us that we are but dust made out of dirt and, and that we rebelled. And when man rebelled in the garden, a death sentence came in. And at that point, he could have wrapped it all up. But Listen, he acknowledged that we're not God and we need aid. And instead of doing that, again, he gave the promise of a savior to come. And he remembers day in and day out that, again, we're not God, we're man, we're men, we're, uh, you know, a, a fallen mankind made up of men and women that outside of the Lord, what do we even have to offer him? I mean, 
You know, every good and perfect gift comes from him, not from us. I love Psalm 103, 13. It says, as, the fa- as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. And I thank God for that, because when I start doing dumb stuff and playing the fool and being a knucklehead, uh, you know, the Lord says, oh, yeah, I remember that guy's made out of dirt down there. And uh, he's merciful to us. Now, we don't want to take his mercy for granted. This is the more you take his mercy for granted, the more you store up wrath. And that's a concept a lot of people don't understand. Because he is abundantly uh, merciful uh, despite us. Um, the, the Lamentations 3.22, it says, uh, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fell not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And listen, the sun came up today and mankind was not consumed because of the mercy of God. Because if God said, listen, I'm going to judge all of mankind today, there would be a consumption that would take place from, you know, it's state to state, even all the ones in the middle that, you know, sometimes they think, oh, you know, we're above everybody else. And then the ones on the coast sometimes think they're above everybody else and so forth. They'd all be consumed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny when some certain groups, you know, start even, you know, oh, yeah, why hasn't California fall into the ocean yet the same reason why you know what wyoming hasn't been sucked up in a tornado because we're all sinners and we need god's grace and listen he's compassionate and it's by his mercies we're not consumed now with that listen the more you reject his mercy the more you store up wrath and we've talked about the canaanite nations that they came to that point where they were no longer ashamed of their sin and it talks about their sin reaching heaven and basically they they Again, shun his mercy, and the more they did that, the more wrath came, and eventually it came to the point of judgment. And so this isn't a thing where we take his mercy for granted, and we say, well, God's merciful, so I'll just do what I want. And listen, I've done it this far, nothing's come of it. And a lot of people have that mentality, and the Bible talks about that wrong mentality. His mercy should lead us to full-on repentance. The fact that I have breath in my lungs, the fact that he sustained me, I know as a young man when I really came to the Lord as, as, a, as a man it was in part Lord you've been so merciful to me I got to call on you because you've allowed me to still be here on this earth and you've sustained me even despite all of my rebellion thank you for your mercy now I want to cry out and ask for forgiveness and I want to ask for your aid in, in, in trying to be a vessel that could honor you and so again he gives mercy uh, despite us. And I love it. Through the word of God, you see when folks really do humble their heart and call out for mercy, he even gives them more. And there's so many instances of it in scripture. I don't got time to read it, but when I think about mercy, for some reason, my mind I always go to certain individuals. I think of Second Chronicles 33, where there's a king of Judah named Manasseh. And the Bible says he did more wickedness than the Canaanite nations that were there before Israel. And you read there, he made his sons and daughters walk through the fire. So it's a picture of him offering his children up to Moloch, offering up to demons. He defiled the temple. He brought in pagan worship. He did all of these things. And then it says that he reigned actually 55 years. And towards the end of his reign, the Babylonians came in and took him captive and bound him with fetters, which does not sound at all and it says in his affliction he humbled his heart 
And he greatly cried out to the Lord and prayed to the Lord. And the scripture says the Lord received his entry and heard his supplication and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. And it says there in verse 13 of Second Chronicles 33, then Manasseh knew the Lord was God. What an amazing God. You know, this guy in his rebellion and all that he did, he really put a new watermark of wickedness, definitely the most wicked of the kings of Judah and probably, you know, as bad as Ahab and Jeroboam, who kind of set the standard for the nations of Israel. And yet when he humbled his heart and he cried out to God, God forgave him and brought him back. What an awesome God we have. And this is not only is he merciful, but as we cry out to him with a real humble heart, whether it was like the tax collector said, be merciful to me to a sinner. Or the thief on the cross who said, I deserve to be here. Lord, remember me. Or Manasseh. He hears that. But don't play games with the mer- his mercy. Don't take it for granted or just say, oh, God, you know, be merciful to me. But I know I'm going right back. But, Lord, be merciful and help me. And in your mercy, I pray you, not only would you forgive me, but in mercy, God, take this thirst for rebellion out of my soul and out of my spirit. You realize we got a supernatural God who can do that when we cry out to him. Now, one other note about mercy. Listen, God does give us mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And uh, I really love his mercy. I want more of it. And again, when we cry out in humility and sincerity, he gives it. And there's another way to get more mercy. You know what it is? To be merciful yourself. (laughs) Matthew 5, 7, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for these shall obtain mercy. Being compassionate towards others, empathetic. Uh, mercy is really considering the situation from another po- person's, you know, vantage and so forth. It's being in that place where, you know what, I'm not always going to give everyone exactly what they deserve when what they deserve is full on the wrath of man. Now, listen, it's not that we're to enable sin. Absolutely not. But when we show mercy, God shows it back to us. You know, mercy when someone offends you. We, we live in an age of offenses. And we've talked about that even being prophetic, that the Lord said in the last days, many would be offended, and it's an offended culture. And some people, they look for those offenses, and they look for them so they can show wrath back, and they can show judgment back. And listen, when you show that judgment and that wrath versus just saying, okay, well, whatever, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to lift them up. When you judge that harshly versus, again, judging it righteously and praying and responding correctly, you know, you're either going to bring mercy or you're going to bring more of a judgment. Listen, James 2.13, it says, judgment is without mercy to those who show no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And we should judge things righteously and biblically and then ask God for help to help us respond righteously and biblically. But listen, beware of unrighteous judgments. Beware of hypocritical judgments. I can't believe they said that about me. I'm going to get them and now I'm justified. How many times have you said something about them or somebody else? Ruthless judgments, you know, versus recognizing, listen, I'm dust and they're dust. We all need the Lord and God remembers that we're dust. And listen, he took on the form of man that came from dust to go die on the cross so this dust could be transformed one day into a glorious resurrected body, a right perspective. The psalmist also says to bless us. 
Again, be merciful to us and bless us. And notice how he's saying not just me, but he's saying us. And you see these examples in the scripture like the Lord's Prayer. Lead us. You know what? Forgive us. Provide for us. You don't see a selfishness in this, but crying out again for all the nation. Lord, bless us. And praise God. Listen, he's merciful and he also blesses. Aren't you glad that God blesses us with good gifts? James 1.16, it says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. And it says that because oftentimes we're deceived in this area. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Don't be deceived in that. The good gifts are from God. Listen, this night, sitting in this place, sitting on those chairs, you know, at a heater working here, breath in your lungs, a pot of coffee out there, so on and so forth, good gifts from the Lord. Greater than that, listen, he gave the greatest gift of a son, dying on the cross for our sins. He sent the person of the Holy Spirit, the word of truth. We have a great future and a hope, and in Christ, he even says that all the trials will be worked for our good. He's the God of blessings, and let's thank him for that. And listen, let's pray for those blessings upon others as well. God bless us, not just God bless me. We should be pro blessing absolutely sadly there's many that again they don't want all the blessings of god they even you know complain about the blessings god has given to them and their short-sightedness and there's so many that even refuse the greatest blessing of all his son instead choose to reside under the curse of sin versus the blessing of forgiveness and we need to be a people that listen pray for those people that are in that spot And we'll go back to mercy, trying to be merciful towards them. Uh, Listen, God's going to bring his judgment in his perfect timing. Do you realize that? And he doesn't need us calling down for for fire from heaven before our time. Remember the sons of thunder, the Samaritans? Oh, Lord, can we call down fire like Elijah? And he said, listen, I came to save him and not to destroy him. It doesn't mean the judgment wouldn't come. But listen, God's going to bring that judgment in his perfect timing. And I think in the political atmosphere we're in and the divided atmosphere we're in, it's easy to start moving into that place that if anyone has an antichrist spirit or they're deep steeped into the world and they really promote that, oh, Lord, I'm ready to call fire on them right now. Listen, they're sinners that need Jesus. It's not that we shouldn't be salt and light and stand for righteousness and truth. Absolutely, we should. But we want to pray for these people. And pray they respond to the mercy of God. And in the mercy of God, their eyes would be open, And they call out to the living God. Because outside of them, they're going to spend eternity separated from him forever and ever and ever. He also says, cause his face to shine upon us. And this is a call for just the, the favor of God upon our lives. We looked at earlier in number six, when God gave the benediction to Moses to pray for the Israelites, there in number 624, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Um, it is a, a, a prayer for the favor of God. It's a prayer for, again, God to be looking upon us and to be going before us. But listen, there's scriptures that also talk about the Lord hiding his face from us. And the thing that the Bible reveals causes the Lord to hide his face from us is our sin. And listen, it's not, it's, it's not the just 
day in and day out sin because we got a sin nature because if that's the case, his face would never shine upon us. But it's that picture of that heart of rebellion, that heart of pride. I take his mercy for granted. I do my own thing. You know, um, I'm not thankful. I'm not grateful. I just want to make facilitation for my sin. Isaiah 59, 2, it says, but your iniquities have separated you from God and your sin have hidden, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Think about even Jesus when he went to the cross. He who knew, knew no sin became sin for us. And what was one of the things he cried out on the cross? Father, why have you forsaken me? He was without sin, but became, he became sin for us. And the father looked away. His face was not upon the son. Now, listen, this is a conundrum that it's hard for us to wrap our heads around. The father still was there with them while looking away because Jesus himself said, you're going to scatter, but the father's going to be with me. And listen, I can't fully explain that. And I think if you find someone who says they can, maybe be leery of that because some of these things are very supernatural and go beyond our understanding. But what I do know is Jesus as a man there took our sin upon himself and the father's face turned away. And so I want to make sure in my life that I'm not deliberately causing the father's head to turn because of my rebellion. And I think really it comes down to, think about, think about going back to that tax collector we referred to. He didn't go down alone to the temple to pray. A Pharisee went as well. And the Pharisee, remember, stood and prayed, Lord, I thank you I'm not like other men. Bad way to start a prayer. <laughs> I do this, I do that, so forth. Look at me, so on and so forth. I thank you that I'm not like this scumbucket down here that goes around and steals from people and is thuggish and is collecting taxes. The tax collector says he wouldn't even lift his head up and he just cried out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, I don't think that was him saying, Lord, forgive me. Uh, I'm checking in and then I'm gonna go out and practice more thuggery. But it was him there saying, Lord, I'm ready to repent. Be merciful to me. I lived my life like this and now it's time to lay it down. And it says that he went away forgiven. The other fellow, though, didn't. And no doubt he went away with the father's face shining upon him while the other guy, you know what, it, it, it's probably more him turning his back to the Lord than even the Lord not shining his face upon him. Now, quickly here, verse two, he says, and this is huge in this. Again, we'll read verse one. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, which again means stop and think about that. And notice verse two, it doesn't say, so that we're multimillionaires, have every desire of our flesh met at every turn, we're the most popular people on the face of the earth, and everyone thinks we're awesome. Doesn't say that, does it? Be merciful to us, bless us, cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. It's a prayer, Lord, bless me so that I can honor you. It's not set out of selfishness, though I know that the Lord invites us to ask for blessings practically, and we should. I like the balance of the Proverbs where he just says, Lord, I pray that I am not impoverished. And I also pray that I'm not rich, that I'm not led astray. Now, listen, you might be somewhere in that scale and the Lord meets you where you are. And we can do all things through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us. 
absolutely we should cast our cares upon him and ask provisions and so forth. Uh, but listen, that should be second to, Lord, bless me. God, be merciful to me. Shine your face upon me, upon us, so that we could make the name of Jesus Christ known to notice all of the nations so that everyone would know who you are and everyone would come to know your mercy and your goodness and everyone would come to that place of your face shining upon them because they've called out to you. A few years ago, there was a book called The Prayer of Jabez. Um, Anyone buy that book? You don't have to raise your hand. That thing sold like hotcakes. Everyone was snatching up the prayer of Jabez. And I think the reason for that is because I think everyone, a lot of people thought, I found a loophole in the Bible. I found this prosperity prayer. And if I pray this this prayer, uh, my, my... Board, my territory is going to be increased. I'm going to have peace and so forth. And listen, those aren't bad things when they come by the hand of God. We're pro-blessing, right? Can we say amen to that? Amen. It doesn't mean someone with that is, has more favor from God than, than, you know what, someone impoverished over here. Um, and it's full. When you start making those judgments, those are unrighteous judgments. Because listen, most of the folks used in the Bible, including Jesus, you know, he didn't have anywhere even to lay his head. Uh, at the same time, we need not be ashamed of the blessings of God if we're giving glory and honor to God. But it's interesting that prayer of Jabez came along. I'll just read it real quick. First Chronicles 4.9, it says, Now Jabez was more honorable among his brethren, and his mother called him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Probably a big baby. In verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted uh, what he requested. And that idea, increase, increase my territory, give me these things. But if you really read it as it's written, he goes that you keep me from evil and that I won't cause pain. You know one of the most evil things in the world that you can do is have the gospel of Jesus Christ and not share it with anybody. I don't know if there's anything more. You know, the Lord says if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, it's sin. And so this was a prayer not of just personal prosperity. He was going before the Lord and honestly saying, Lord, meet me where I'm at. But it was the intent that, again, I would be kept from evil, that I wouldn't cause pain for others. And again, as we talk about pain, is there any worse pain than eternal separation from the living God? This is a prayer here saying, Lord, put me in a position where I can spread the good news of Christ. And we want to pray for the blessings of God, that in them we would bless God, that we would glorify God, that we would honor God with what he puts into our hands. Again, verse 3, let the peoples praise you, O God, let the people praise you. And so the psalmist starts with a prayer. Give us these blessings so we can make your known and your name known. And then he says, let the people praise you, God. Let them pray you, praise you. And he's declaring this again with verse 4 coming, saying God's judgment is coming and God's going to govern the nations. That's a prophetic word. And what he's saying, Lord, let us praise you now before the judgment comes and before you come to rule. Because notice verse 4, oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For notice, you shall judge. That's something coming. 
you shall judge the people righteously. And it's implied here, you shall govern the nations on earth, Selah. This is what's coming. God's going to come and he's going to judge with a righteous judgment. And he's going to govern over the nations of the earth. You better stop, Selah. Think about that. So with that said, we better call for mercy, blessings, ask him to shine his face upon us that we could take the gospel out to all peoples and then from there, more people than not would begin to praise him before the judgment comes. Because listen, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess Jesus is Lord, but you want to do that on this side of eternity, not on the other side. Everyone's going to do it on the other side. Even the most ornery, rebellious, antichrist people that you can think of that name's going to bow one day and that tongue's going to confess that jesus is lord out of all of them and he's saying let's do it today and this is a prophetic word that god will come back and he will judge the people righteously now it's appointed for man to die once and after death comes the judgment there's a judgment that faces that we face when we pass but this dispensation of time that we're in Uh, you know, this period that we are in is going to come to an end. And the Bible speaks of this over and over and over. You read about Revelation in chapter 19, and you read in other places to get the details, the nations of the earth are gathered together against God and rebellion against him. And he comes down and a sharp sword comes out of his mouth and he judges them with a righteous judgment. You read in Matthew 25, it's the judgment of the sheep and the goats. And it's a judgment of the nations. And those nations that through the great tribulation and the people of those nations that do not take the mark of the beast and show compassion to the people of God, whether it be the nation of Israel that a third will survive and all Israel will be saved or even those that do not partake of the mark of the beast. They're obviously in a place where they're alive. And the Bible says they are going to enter in to the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, along with the nation of Israel to repopulate the earth. And the psalmist is saying, praise him now before that comes about. You read Revelation 20. The Bible says that Jesus Christ himself is going to reign over this earth for 1000 years. That's going to be an awesome time because you know what? As a follower of the Lord, are you tonight? Can you say amen to that? We're going to rule and reign with them. We really are. And listen, we want to pray for our president no matter who it is. We want to lift them up to the Lord. We want to pray for our government and so much and and all those things. But when Jesus rules and reigns, it's going to be so much better than Bush Clinton, Hussein Obama, or Donald Trump. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, Selah, or think about that. The perfect government is a dictatorship when Jesus is the dictator. And he's coming soon. Verse 5, let the peoples praise you. Listen, you guys are ahead of the psalmist here. All those amens. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And you know what? The follower of Christ, they hear that, and and hopefully our heart is, yes, praise you, Lord, thank you. But it's amazing how many people get angry when they hear these prophetic truths. I mean, they they get outraged by it. 
Um, they don't like that idea of yielding to God. They actually think that, you know, they're going to judge God. Uh, very foolish and blinds. But praise God, we can absolutely rejoice. And listen, it's not that we can't have the joy now of the Lord. We should. And um, I think we should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. Those that know him. I think we should be the most sober-minded as well. And, and we should be vexed over a fallen world. There should be tears. But listen, there should be the joy of the Lord as well at every turn. Finally, verse 6 and 7, he says, Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. This is, a, again, a psalm of praise and a psalm of prophecy. Because you read, and there's so many places that talk about that millennial reign of Jesus Christ, that though there will still be a new heaven and a new earth after that thousand-year reign, there's still going to be a bondage, a bondage that's lifted off the earth during that time. And we read about it in the scriptures. Um, Psalm 65, or excuse me, Isaiah 65, and we're almost done here, but just follow along here. This is the millennial reign of Christ. One of the passages that it gives a description of what that time's going to be like. It says, for behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Verse 20. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days. Nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. Verse 21, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And listen, there's been a lot of wickedness in the history of this world where there have been people that have gone and built their house and planted their vineyard and someone came along and snatched it right away from them. He says, verse 22, they shall not build a they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. Trees live a long time. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Verse 24, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer them. I like the sound of that. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. Verse 25, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain, says the Lord. And the Bible says during that time that Satan's bound for a thousand years. And these are people literally with bodies like this that will enter into that millennial reign. We will be in a place with a glorified body and we will be ruling and reigning with Jesus during that time. And I think a lot that will dictate our role in that, it, it's gonna play out on what we're doing in this time right here. It, it seems to be a correlation with that. Sadly, listen, at the end of that time, you can read about it there at the end of Revelation, Satan will be loosed again for a short time. 
And again, it just shows the great goodness of God and the depravity of man because for the most part, the nations will gather together to again fight against God. We're so dumb. They'll fight together, they'll gather together and, and listen, God is gonna wrap it up really quickly. And then there will be uh, the white throne judgment of, of, of all those souls that, that rejected him. And after that, there will be a literal new heaven and a new earth, which, you know what, I don't know if it will be like our bodies is powdered down and remade out of, but you can read about it in Revelation, and it's, it's quite exciting. And listen, it's, it's coming very quickly. I know this, though, from this psalm on this side of it. We want to be a people that, that are walking in the light of Christ, his face shining on us. And we want to be aware of the great need that people have for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the greatest need this world has. Uh, there's a lot of practical needs this world has because it's a fallen world. And men will never get all those problems solved. But the biggest problem can be solved when people repent and call upon Jesus. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you. He'll meet you. Yet the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. And that includes all in this room tonight. If you haven't called on him... You humble your heart like that tax collector. Be merciful to me, Lord, a sinner. I, I need to be forgiven. Be my Lord. Be my God. Meet me where I am and listen. He will and he'll take pleasure in doing it. He died on the cross to save souls. And all those that humble the heart. Listen, think about Manasseh. The dude was as dirty as anyone in the history of the world. That's a, the, the, the stuff is outright sinister. And yet he got shackled up with fetters and he humbled his heart and God forgave him it's a picture of the great mercy and grace of God and I say that because I run into people oh God won't forgive me all the things I did people have done far worse things and he forgives and he washes and he cleanses sin is sin sin is sin in the eyes of the Lord all of it all of it again is transgression against God and Jesus will wash it all away Call on him if you haven't. Lord, bless the rest of our night here. We just thank you for this time. What a blessed time, God, of worship and prayer. Lord, this awesome psalm, Lord, we got to look at. Lord, just bless these folks. Bless your people, God. I absolutely pray, God, that you would be merciful to us. You would bless us. You would shine your face upon us. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. And together, in Jesus' name, we said, amen. God bless you.